0: My first guest is no stranger to you. He is the founding editor of the excellent 21stCenturyWire.com. Use it as a resource for news and commentary and analysis that's balanced, that's objective, that's fair. Uh, it's 21st Century News. Uh, get, it, get it right, Wichi. 21stCenturyWire.com. That's it. 21stCenturyWire.com. Let's welcome back to the programme a man who's been as busy as me today, uh, Patrick Henningsen. Patrick, welcome back. How are you?
1: Yeah, great, Richie. Great to be with you.
0: Thanks, mate. All reason, all common sense and all logic has gone out the window. I don't know how much of the initial stages of the debate at Westminster that you managed to uh, to watch today, but what was a conspicuous by its absence was any sort of passion or any sort of real questioning by the leader of the Labour Party, uh, Jeremy Corbyn. In in my opinion, that is, I'm speaking for myself, And um, the salient points made seem to be or seem to have been made by Uh, the the SNP's top man in London, uh, Angus Robertson, basically asking the question about the alleged 70,000 moderates. Um, You know, are we to believe this or are we to laugh out loud that there are 70,000 moderates ready to step in in the event of British airstrikes helping to gain ground back from from ISIS? How have you read what you've been seeing today?
1: It's been really, you know, it's been really, really interesting. It's been exasperating. It's been very frustrating, too, listening to some of the... uh, Commentary by uh, some of the uh, front and backbenchers, uh, conservative and labor, Um, a tremendous amount of ignorance uh, to the facts, uh, to reality. It seems that a lot of politicians are just cherry picking uh, what they believe is the reality. And you only have to look at the prime minister himself, David Cameron, who's thrown out a figure of 70,000 moderate rebels or free Syrian army fighters when we've had so many admissions by uh, even U.S. military leaders, that the Free Syrian Army doesn't exist. It's it's collapsed. It, it's just a figment of a lot of people's imaginations now. And yet, how are we supposed to uh, see the prime minister as credible? It doesn't really inspire any confidence for, to hear him throw out that sort of imaginative figure. And that seems to be a pattern we see through so many politicians. But yet, I've seen some great... Testimonies and great arguments made um, by some of the MPs. I just listened to Kate Howey from Vauxhall. That's my local MP, and uh, she's fantastic. Uh, but, but she had a stack of notes, a mile high, and it's hard for people to get their heads around it, even politicians, because uh, there's so much obfuscation, there's so much propaganda seeding by the West uh, that a lot of people can't get a clear uh, read on this issue. Uh, because there's so much flack and static uh, surrounding it.
0: Absolutely right, David. We'll come to David Cameron in a second and comments that he made yesterday, where he compared those who disagreed with the the the, the bombing of ISIS inside Syria. He basically called them terrorist sympathisers, which is an extraordinary thing. It's one of the most extraordinary things ever to come out of the mouth of a prime minister, at least in my lifetime. Anyway, but we'll, we'll come to that uh, in in a in a second. The 70,000 moderates, you mentioned there the United States. Correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick, but didn't a US general say at a congressional hearing, not more than two or three months ago, that they've been trying to arm uh, moderate guys, but they can only find a handful? Am I right in saying that? I do remember seeing a clip, I think it might have been on RT, where a guy actually admitted there's only really a handful. We've only managed to find a few. Am I right?
1: Yeah, that would, that was at a, uh, I think it was a Senate, uh, might have been a Senate or a congressional hearing. Yeah. And they said there was only a few. They said five or six. Now th- that, that itself is the public statement, but uh, you're going to, you know, if you're really, really smart on this issue, you're going to read past that even because they're trying to say. And of course, this reflects back on the Obama administration that they spent half a billion dollars to arm and train five or six. Uh, moderate rebels. And if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you, okay? That half a billion dollars <laughs> yeah. has been funneled into arms, cash, uh, equipment for various other terrorist groups uh, in Syria. So that was really kind of a red herring. Uh, so that, you know, the White House took one for the team because they don't want to make it known that they are actually engaged with known terrorist entities, including al-Qaeda. In Syria, Al Nusra Group, and there's been a lot of rehabilitation efforts by Washington to try to recategorize these and rebrand them and others in a conclave which they call now the Rebel Alliance. You see, you saw that in the media, but it's yeah. not getting a lot of traction. So they're trying to separate ISIS from Al Qaeda and say that Al Qaeda is part of the, uh, the the Rebel Alliance, and then infer that that's a moderate rebel group somehow by inference. And we we are dealing with. The most multi-layered uh, propaganda effort, which, in my opinion, from the beginning, Syria has been the biggest geopolitical fraud in modern history. I am not exaggerating. Big, more than WMDs. I mean, that was on. That was easy to sort of decipher the fraud. There, it was just a. It was just a lie. It was straight. It was based on cooked up intelligence. This thing in Syria is much more complex even than weapons of the weapons of mass destruction sort of campaign live p r campaign so uh and so a lot of politicians they really don't stand a chance, uh, especially if they're getting their news from the BBC or any of the sort of major news networks for the last five years. they are going to be absolutely lost uh, on this issue but the, yet some have really pulled it together, and I heard some great arguments. Uh, today uh, in the House of Parliament, so it's going to be a very, very close vote. I think Richie. I and, hope you're uh, right, I, Patrick. I hope yeah. you're
0: right. I mean, I'm. I've been very pessimistic about it. I, I, I believe currently he's gonna, he's gonna get over the line by by maybe somewhere between forty and sixty. But I hope I'm wrong because there is time for people to change their minds. Uh, minds. Congratulations to you and everybody else who has been banging the drum about contacting your members of Parliament to tell them not to do it, I, I I think it's great what you've been doing. I, I've been doing a bit of it as well. And, and anybody well, who's got I, any sort of an audience, it's the right thing to do, you know.
1: You know, I I, I I even held back. I mean, I haven't told anybody what they should or shouldn't say. You know, my, my point is to to a lot of people is your voice means something no matter what your opinion is. And we're told so, so much time and time again that, you know, you know what difference is it going to make? What difference is it going to make if I send a letter here, an email there, or make a phone call there? Let me tell you, if if you don't think it makes a difference, then it won't make a difference. And your voice means something. People's opinion means something still in this world today. And I think that's the thing that people really need to understand. You know, I'm ex- exasperated as anybody. You know, I've I've been out marching in London and for the Iraq War, and you know, begging in pleading that the, the establishment of the government, you know, not wage war uh, under false pretexts, and yet they did anyway. And still, yeah, after losing that battle, <laughs> so many millions of people, uh, you still have to, in my opinion, if you think you're in the right, you have to keep at it. You can't stop, you know. You really cannot give up, and you need to let your voice be heard, let it be known. Otherwise, your silence is your consent.
0: Absolutely, it doesn't take anything to to write an email to an MP. It didn't take me longer than thirty seconds to email Jeff Smith, uh, who's a Labour MP here in Whisington, which is not far from where where I live. Let's talk for a couple of minutes about Jeremy Corbyn. Some of Corbyn's most ardent supporters were pretty harsh um, with with me today, sending me messages privately, criticising me for having a go at Corbyn. Now I'm not an idiot. Uh, when when people say you know there's only so far Corbyn can go without inviting massive amounts of ridicule, without bringing all sorts of ignominy down on himself, and I, I kind of understand that. But why today, Patrick? Didn't Pat, Didn't Jeremy Corbyn table a motion off the top of his head while he had the floor today, and half the country was watching? Why didn't he say to, to David Cameron today, I'm tabling a motion here to propose that we suspend voting on this until you can explain to me why some of the world's media says that they've got taip Erdian banged to rights and his family for trading in oil Uh, and returning um, weapons and and, and money into Syria in return for oil from ISIS. Why didn't he do that? Why wasn't he stronger on that point? And why didn't he also say at the same time, this whole 70,000 thing is... You know, as a red herring, of course MPs are not allowed to accuse one another of lying and uh, they're not allowed to criticize one another like that. they're not allowed to call one another names. they can't do that. There are rules there, but why wasn't he aggressive? He looked like a kind of a mumbling, stuttering, kind of a shadow of 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 a leader to me, and maybe you know I'd like some some some, some, some other comment and opinion on that. Tell me i 'm wrong. How did you see him today and how he spoke?
1: uh i have i've, I've I, I, I thought it's that's a tough one richie because you know i thought corbin made a few very strong argument points and his piece uh in the guardian this this morning also was was very thorough um however um i There's a number of what we call open doors that all you have to do is push because they're already open. You've already mentioned a couple of them, Turkey and its role, uh, its pivotal role, in fact, in fueling and facilitating not only the rise but the maintenance of uh, the ISIS terrorist brigades. Uh, You can't overlook this. This is an open door, and the other ones is Saudi Arabia and Qatar, uh, especially Saudi Arabia, one of the uh, UK's most uh, ardent allies, uh, who are also buying billions in uh, arms and weapons uh, from from the from the UK companies, defense contractors. Um, that's also a point. They're funding uh, ISIS, Al Nusra Front, uh, a lot of the terrorist activity there. So we know whether we know where the finance. And we know where the the trade's coming from, that's keeping this conclave, this terrorist conclave in Syria in northern Iraq, alive. And there's ample opportunities there to just basically push and squash this uh, bogus case uh, being put forth uh, by David Cameron for uh, a must, must do something, must do something uh, bombing uh, philosophy uh, of aggression which is totally, is not legal under an international law. I saw MPs up there saying it's legal and it has the support of the UN. Those are two lies right Absolute there. Absolute
0: lies, that's right. They're, they're, all,
1: they're all lying. You know, it's incredible how people are just allowed to have their own opinion on what's legal. You can't have an, a, a, an amateur opinion if you're, Uh, an elected official on what is legal, especially under international law. And there's nothing more serious than committing armed forces uh, for an act of aggression uh, against another nation state. And it is against Syria because they're, they're violating Syrian sovereignty, Syrian airspace, everything. They're not invited by the Syrian government. They have plenty of opportunities to work with uh, the real force. The Arab army on the ground is the Syrian Arab army and uh, Corbyn, picked up on the financing of the terrorism stuff like that but yeah you're right richie he could have basically brought this thing to a screeching halt but the problem is richie and the reason that didn't happen and probably the reason why uh, that that's the you know the bane of uh, your frustration mine and others is that the labor party is a party divided you have the blairites who basically staged a um, an, an opportunity to basically recapture the leadership Of this party in opposition, uh, led by people like Hillary Benn, who basically is going to flush his father's legacy. Like, so, tell me, so, tell me
0: like. so tell me this then sorry to interrupt you, tell me this why isn't Corbyn screaming from the rooftops about that? Why isn't Corbyn speaking to people when he has the microphone like today to say to people you gave me an overwhelming mandate to stand against this nonsense. You did, the people, half a million of you did I'm being sub- you know, sub- subordinated shall we say by a bunch of playwrights as you quite rightly said in the parliamentary party here in London I'm not tolerating that. Why isn't he screaming about it? Why you, I, I don't understand it, Patrick. When he's got um the BBC or Channel Four interviewers, he's sitting there with his hands uh, folded, his arms folded, clasping his hands, trying to come across like a gentle grandfather type figure who's who, who's being patient with you know a bothersome child. Shout, man! Scream from the effing rooftops! Tell people you have the mandate. You've got it. Yeah. The country's behind you. Why is he playing this game? I don't understand it. It's, it's,
1: it, th- th- this is politics writ large, and this is actually a really, really tricky situation, okay, and I'm not gonna, I'm not making any apologetic arguments for uh, what's going on there in Parliament, but if, if, if there was a a, a rebellion staged, if the Blairites in the Labour Party are in somehow s- collusion behind the scenes, because, you know, you know, they all drink in the same uh sport and social club in the House of Commons, they all drink together. Certainly do. Uh, they work together. And so there's a little bit of uh, collusion between uh, the Tory party and the Blairites to basically get rid of Jeremy Corbyn. Um, then you, if you have a huge meltdown in the Labour Party uh, in in the spotlight during this debate, and out, as this is happening, that's going to take over the spotlight. That will become, you know how the press works. They sniff a little blood, that becomes the story. And all of a sudden, you have an overwhelming defeat uh for the anti-war uh argument uh against what David Cameron's proposing. So it's a lose-lose situation in many ways, Richie, and it's a question of maybe uh a lesser of two evils perhaps and uh hoping that uh, common sense wins the day. I don't know for sure, Richie, but I know that it's just to me it's a, ho- a horrible Move by uh, Hillary Benn and oh, his yeah. Blairite crowd. It's, it's to me. It it betrays Tony Benn's legacy, um, who is an ardent anti-interventionist. I mean, you cannot find a figure in British polit- political history that was so consistent um, for the last few decades as to what his uh, you know feelings were about, especially you know the Iraq War and and forward. And sadly, he's not with us. And I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, f- a few years ago, ten years ago. Tony Benn and um, just a great gentleman, a great statesman. Uh, and he was, he was, he was absolutely consistent in his feelings and views. Uh, and it to, to me, I, I, I'm just, it's incredible. It's horrible that to see they would stage such yeah. a stunt, such a stunt at this time with what's clearly an illegal war. Uh, there is no ifs ands or buts with regards to international law. Uh, they they have an opportunity to work with Russia. They have an opportunity to work with the Syrian government. But the, but you know, degrading and destroying ISIS is not the number one priority of the anti isil coalition. If it was, it would have been done already. The number one priority of this coalition is regime change. Quite clearly, they seem to put that. That gets in the way of everything. Okay, and this is why we have seen uh ISIS grow in eighteen months since the coalition airstrikes began in northern Iraq and Syria and not shrink. And only since Russia entered the fore on october first have we seen major major uh ground being re- retaken by uh Syria's Arab army and and seeing ISIS push back. Which was and humiliating for the United the States, of course, wasn't West. it?
0: That's right, and, and, and humiliating for the United States because it was absolutely definitive proof is that they hadn't been going after ISIS. It's 26 minutes to the top of the air. Uh, we've had nearly 150 tweets since um, we've uh, come on uh, about this. I'm just going to read a few of them. Richard was on to say, Erdogan proves that so-called national leaders ultimately act like the mafia. That's uh, Richard Angelis. Thanks, Richard. Um, Paul was on to say Richie I worked in Parliament for three years they have five bars so later or the later this debate goes on the more pissed MPs will get I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing I want to say hi to Shona Dryden hi Shona thanks a lot of people are happy with Cat Stevens and Peace Train I suppose it was um, kind of um, poignant, I suppose. Mark Brown was on to say, how can the RAF fly when Russia has installed S-400 systems and Turkey and the USA haven't flown since Thursday when this was set up? Uh, loads and loads of tweets. I'm going to scroll through them. Scott was on to say, the world has gone completely mad. It really makes me worry about what my son will have to put up with later on. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Kill your TV. Uh, Monk of Mayhem The Monk of Mayhem on Twitter says Isn't it a tad convenient As a turkey shot a Russian plane down In the midst of stealing oil Talk about a can of worms Sam Bray was on to say I've not seen or heard anyone outside of Westminster And the BBC media bubble Who actually backs the airstrikes Not surprising he says uh, He's absolutely right there There's no logic he was on to say When looking at it outside the mind of A psychopath there's loads more, folks. I'm not going to get through them all. Like I said, to see what other people are saying, basically um, put Richie Allen Show into the search Twitter bar and basically press enter and you'll see everybody else's tweets there. Patrick, stay with me. I'm going to take a 90-minute break. When we come back, we'll talk about where this is all going to go in the next um, in the next few days. Patrick Henningsen is going to stay with us. 21stCenturyWire.com, that's the website. It is absolutely terrific. Get on there. Terrific articles, insight and analysis on that terrific website. Back in a minute. Broadcasting the information the mainstream media won't touch. This is the Richie Allen Show in association with DavidIke.com. Patrick Henningsen is our guest this hour. Just before we bring him back in, Tony says, David Davis, the Conservative MP, said today that a no vote doesn't mean we can't do anything. He said go after Turkey and Saudi Arabia with sanctions. He did indeed. Absolutely right. Mike was on to say it doesn't matter what side they're on in politics, they all work in the same environment. It's like wrestling in the US. Enemies in the ring, colleagues in the dressing room, says, uh, who was that again? Was that uh, Tony? It was Mike, it was Mike actually. Thanks for those tweets. Keep them coming in at Richie Allen Show on Twitter. So Patrick, we've been talking about on this program in the last few months, you've written extensively about it on 21stCenturyWire.com and you've talked about it on the Sunday Wire radio show, which people can find details of on 21stCenturyWire.com. We've been talking about some of the Orwellian, uh, some of the... Truly scary things being said by politicians like Theresa May and David Cameron in recent months that if you hold an opinion that you might think is kind of harmless and you're not really encouraging violence, but your opinions might encourage somebody else to become radicalised, you're part of the problem. And last night as I was on air here, uh, I saw the Sky Story breaking at around about 9pm that Cameron had labelled those who were going to vote against the extension of the bombing campaign into Syria, labeled them as terrorist sympathizers. That's far more sinister, I think, than most people can probably grasp. What do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I said this uh, a couple of days ago on someone else's show. Uh, I said that, uh, more on my show maybe, but I said, you know, people are saying, oh, they, ISIS, the Islamic State, the terrorists, the radical Islamists, they hate us for our freedoms. They hate us for our way of life and so forth, okay? They're not the biggest threat to our civilization. It's not going to be a Sharia law takeover, okay? We're doing an absolutely fine job of it ourselves, is destroying our freedoms and destroying whatever is left of the Western values, of the democratic values. And I think David Cameron's comment about accusing people who are against uh mili- illegal Anyone who's against an illegal military intervention is a terrorist sympathizer. I mean, that just shows the divisiveness right at the top, you know, and the, and the rot starts at the top and it works its way right down the system. And, uh, it's pretty obvious wh- where he stands on that. And this, I can't think of a more undemocratic statement to come from a political leader. And George Bush said, you're either with us or against us. But he said, so that was bad, but it was a rhetorical point. David Cameron made a specific, cutting, divisive remark like that against people who are elected representatives who don't happen to agree with his position. That says a lot about the leadership, uh, about this government. It says that they're desperate. He is desperate to sell Uh, something that needs a lot of push behind it. If he he, uh, wanted to sell it, he couldn't think of a better time, right after the Paris attacks, okay? The emotive sentiment is in the air. Cynically, politically, one could say trying to take advantage of the uh, emotion, to take advantage of the sentiment that comes with a a terrorist event like that, uh, that smacks of political opportunism to many people. That's not a out of the realms of possibility. And that's, I think, what we're seeing here with the timing of this wanting to get this rush this through to nudge it through, get that agenda down the road, just get it done. Um, I can hear this coming out of the uh, plant central planning, uh, in the last couple of weeks. We've got yeah. to get this done now, you know. So it's, um, I, I don't know. I'm not surprised, but then I am kind of shocked at some of the rhetoric. Quite frankly, it's like children, you know, like they're taking the toys away, basically. They're going to take away their, you know, your typhoons, tornadoes, and brimstone missiles. And the babies are throwing temper tantrums and throwing their toys out of the pram, basically. That's kind of how you can read it in terms... And if if it turns a no vote, Richie, you are going to see some some temper tantrums. Just like you did in August 2013. I don't know if it was Michael Gove or somebody just went into a tirade in front of a camera in the Houses of
0: Parliament. It was Gove. I think it was Gove. That's right. I mean, that's embarrassing. Yeah. This time around, it might result, if some people come to their senses tonight, maybe over a few drinks, and then enter the chamber and vote no and defeat the government, it might very well result in David Cameron having to resign. That might sound very um, dramatic and it might sound very implausible, but... Uh, it, it might happen. Patrick Henningson is our guest. Now, Patrick, just before we talk about Israel, it's just been brought to my attention while chatting with you there is that there is a manhunt underway in California. There's been a mass shooting. According to ABC News, three suspects wearing military gear are being sought after a mass shooting at a social services centre in Southern California. And ABC are reporting is that San Bernardino Fire Department received a report of up to 20 victims, Jesus Christ, in the incident, which happened. uh, Apparently, you'll know more than me, Patrick, San Bernardino is apparently about an hour east of Los Angeles. That's a developing story. Uh, They're all over it now, Fox, Sky, the whole lot of them, literally in the last few minutes since you came on. So just to repeat that again, a manhunt has been launched for suspects in military gear, After an attack on a centre where the people in the centre are people with developmental disabilities, learning disabilities, ABC have learned from San Bernardino Fire Department that there are up to 20 victims in the incident. Please, God, if there is a God, is that these people are injured and not dead. Patrick, there's not really much you can say to that. There's no point in me asking you for a reaction, my friend, uh, because you're only getting it as well as I am.
1: I've been following that story, Richie. Um, what I'm going to say about this uh, active shooter situation in San Bernardino is that uh, within, I believe, 90 minutes, they scrambled five, 500 armed officers and agents and over 1,000 personnel to wow. this small center. It looks like a music festival, okay? It's very odd, to to be quite honest. To watch, it almost looks like a giant multi-agency drill that's taking place. It's unbelievable. You never seen so many people, uh, so many vehicles. There's, I see four armored, uh, personnel MRAP carriers, both all lined up. I see, uh, people with their hands up, they're, they're frog marching lots of innocent people around. It looks like a drill, but this is a subject for another program. It is
0: for another program, yeah. Yeah. ABC are actually saying that of the 20 victims shot, they're saying the 12 people are dead and that it's a live scene where three gunmen are being sought. Interesting, in your take on what you've seen so far, Patrick. I didn't, uh, it is only, it's literally just flashed up in front of me. Uh, the BBC have only posted in the last six minutes and, and Sky are, are just going big on it now. But we we'll leave that for a, another time anyway. On um, Syria, there's been a number of questions and emails. I want to say hi to Sean McDonald. Sean says, Richie, does Patrick have any views on Israel's alleged support for ISIS and for the bombing of Syria? crying out for Western money and weapons to then pass on to terrorists. That's what Sean is saying. Sean is alleging that a lot of the money that Israel gets from the United States, we recently learned they're going to get another billion dollars worth of weapons from the U.S. government and money. Um, Sean is saying, you know, what what about the the, the belief or the evidence that some of this money and and weaponry is ending up in the hands of violent jihadists? Israel, not much said about Israel today, uh, understandably not, certainly at Westminster anyway. What's your take on it, Patrick?
1: Well, there's a number of participants uh, who've been aiding and abetting uh, the terrorist forces in Syria, and Israel is one of them. Uh, This is admitted. Israel's been giving medical treatment to al-Qaeda in Syria, which is al-Nusra Front Fighters. This is the Jerusalem Post, by the way, reporting this earlier this year. We also have Israel not giving new weapons but providing a sort of A lot of their old stock might have recycled some of that and given that to some of the Islamic terrorist fighters in Syria. We're talking about Soviet anti-tank munitions. So, yes, Israel's up to its neck in it, also providing air cover. Uh, A number of bombing runs uh, in violation of Syrian airspace, but who cares about Syrian airspace in the West? But they've done that uh, consistently over the last couple of years. Uh, Have hit Syrian military targets and have aided uh, both ISIS, uh, Al-Nusra, and Free Syrian Army back when they were uh, active a few years ago. Jordan training terrorists, uh, providing a safe haven for terrorists. Uh, Our special forces from the U.S. and Britain training uh, future terrorists in Jordan and Turkey. United States providing weapons, cash, logistical support, training to terrorist groups in Syria. That's fact. All these is on record. Qatar, uh, Saudi Arabia, cash, weapons, France, weapons to al-Nusra Front uh, as early as 2012. Turkey, probably one of the biggest serial offenders, uh, weapons, cash, black market, oil transit, uh, training terrorists, terrorist safe havens, human trafficking, and narcotics trafficking, Saudi Arabia, n- uh, capticon, amphetamine, narcotics trafficking, to ISIS fighters, That is uh, absolutely uh, confirmed. Uh, One of the Saudi princes was busted with two tons of Capticon amphetamine tablets at Beirut Airport uh, just last month. Uh, And, of course, normally you'd get the death penalty for dealing drugs in Saudi Arabia. But as a member of the royal family, I don't think that's going to happen. And we can add Britain to that list, uh, Richie there's a there 's a group called the white helmets that 's supposedly a aid charity which is funded by the Foreign Office, which has links to direct links to al nusra fighters okay and this has been proven
0: it has okay. been proven and again, folks go to twenty first century dot com because all of these articles are on there, and Patrick Henningson and his colleagues they deal in facts. And when they don't have facts and when they are making a connection that they can't prove 100%, they say so. It's the essence of journalism to say, well, we think based on this or that, we don't know for sure. That's what you get with 21stCenturyWire.com. That's why I like it so much. We do it here on the Richie Allen Show. When it's opinion, we say it's opinion. It's opinion. It's my opinion, this or that. When it's fact, it's fact. What Patrick said about the White Helmets... Absolute fact. Patrick, a number of listeners said to me, talk to Patrick about the fact that massive corporations are already, probably already have been promised uh, contracts to go into Syria in the event that they eventually get rid of the Assad government and um, leave it in ruins like Iraq was left in ruins and, and, and Afghanistan and Libya, of course. We, we, we remember famously the Halliburton no-bid contracts, of course, the ultimate in corruption. The vice president, the company that he represented for years, getting no-bid contracts to go into Iraq. It's disgusting. And we were hearing whispers that deals have already been done behind the scenes with major companies that are going to get big contracts in Syria in the future. We know this to be true.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, they've devastated the country. So f- first of all, let's let's just knock the war vote on the head real quick. There is no way that, there's, that anyone can rightly argue for any kind of intervention from Britain or any Western country that has been actively involved, their foreign policy directly involved in destabilizing the country by funneling arms, training, cash, whatever it is, to you know, armed insurgency in the country. There's no way that they can claim to be part of a solution, uh, via airstrikes, uh, in the same breath. That is just, uh, uh, an abominable concept. And this is what they're trying to sell. Okay. Now they're, they're, one of the key allies in the U.S. and the U.K., uh, war on ISIS, so to speak, uh, is basically the Kurdish regional government, the KRG. Okay. In Iraq and Turkish military intelligence. Those two groups have been working together and have been uh, secretly basically smuggling oil, uh, which is ISIS oil from Syria or through to northern Iraq or Turkey. And one British oil company is called Janel Energy. This is run by, I believe, one of the – actually run by a Rothschild. Janel Energy is contracted by the KRG to supply oil for a major Kurdish firm, which has been accused – of facilitating ISIS oil sales in Turkey, okay? And that Kurdish firm has close ties to the Iraqi Kurdish government, okay? So Janelle has been operating with the full backing of the British government, okay? That is what you should get up in Parliament and ask that question today. No one has done that. That's a report which was commissioned by Middle East Eye. There's a link to that at 21st Century Wire. I mean, that to me is the canary in the coal mine. That's been going on. There has to be a buyer at the end of this black market, oil. And whoever's buying it is making bigger profits than people trading on the normal markets because ISIS is dumping this oil at a substantial discount on the black market for cash to get rid of it. So whoever is getting it is making two to three times more profit than they would during normal oil trading. And these are listed companies at the end of this market. And one of them is a British company. Okay, why is this not being raised at question time? Why has this not been mentioned today? It might have been mentioned today, but I didn't hear it.
0: It's outrageous, Patrick. We um, reported... In the last couple of days, as did your colleagues at um, at RT, that a, uh, an Iraqi MP, a former national security advisor in Iraq, whose name always escapes me, um, it's, uh, what's his name? It's Moaki. I can never think of his surname. He basically spilled the beans and, and gave the whole story on how ISIS has been selling oil to, uh, to Turkey. Like you said yourself, it's abominable. It's abominable that this is happening in the full glare of the, or of, of the media, of the mainstream media and therefore of the rest of the world and, and yet nothing is going to you know. at least I don't think anything is going to be done about it we've got about 90 seconds left on this before we have to uh, say goodbye for, for tonight I'll give you the last word on it briefly you're still optimistic Patrick that tonight enough MPs will examine their conscience and maybe reverse themselves some of the ones who said they would vote to support the airstrikes and might actually uh, vote against the government you're still optimistic?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm still optimistic. I know it's going to be a close vote. The, the The vote in August 2013 was basically decided by seven, I believe, seven votes, Uh six or seven votes either way. I think there's a difference of 13 in the end. That's very close. Okay. And I think we're going to have a similar split decision today. Uh We'll see what happens. I'm very optimistic. But you know, this is down to, uh inter- this is a very important point in history, uh which I can't underline more. This is very similar to where we were in 1939. If you look at the Nuremberg Principles, if we fail to heed the lessons of Nuremberg, undeclared wars of aggression, okay, international law, what happened? The League of Nations collapsed as a result. And we had a world war, it was replaced by another League of Nations, which is the United Nations, which is equally as impotent at the moment because no one is basically abiding by international law from the great powers of the NATO countries. They're flouting it. The people who are abiding by international law are people like Russia. So we have a complete flip-flop of the the old world order right now, and I am very afraid that the old world order wants to tip the chessboard uh like they did in 1939 uh, and like they did in World War 1 as well so this is a very very important time in history i can't stress that more in terms of international law rule of law international chaos or or some sort of recognized uh community of nations you know abiding by some principles that's not happening right now in uh with the coalition
0: Patrick, it's always great to talk to you, my friend. Folks, go to 21stCenturyWire.com. Check out Patrick's um, his Sunday Wire program, which is every Sunday night. What time does it start on Sundays, Patrick? Is it 8 or 9 p.m.? Remind me.
1: Uh, UK, it's uh, 5 p.m. till 8 p.m. Uh, uh, London time and uh, 12, 12 p.m. US time, lunch time and at 9 a.m. Pacific Pacific time, every Sunday. So, yeah, we got to... It's terrific. And and
0: when you've done it, it's always posted immediately on 21stCenturyWar.com for anybody uh, who wants to grab it on demand. Thanks very much, my friend. We'll talk again real soon. Look after yourself.
1: You too. Thank you, Richie, very much.
0: Brilliant stuff. Patrick Henningsen on the line to us there.